Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Dave McEwen, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Well, hey, Chad, thank you so much for having me. The Self-Evolved Leader. So I found this to be a really interesting book. Why did you feel like this was what you wanted to spend your time on and put the research into and get this message out? What really spoke to you? Um, I think so. I've been working with leaders and leadership teams for the last 15 years or so, um, really to help them elevate their focus and and develop their people. And and one thing that I, I noticed through all of that was that I think that we're 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 shifting away from some of the older models of leadership that we that we so tightly clung to that came about in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, which were great and valid, but that I think that there is time uh, for a new voice in leadership, a new direction, uh, and um, something that just connects us more on a level of humanity than maybe what's come before. Uh, and so um, over those 10, 15 years, I decided that I was going to just accumulate uh, a lot of the lessons that I had learned uh, and best practices that I saw out there and, and put it into a book. So let's let's just go right to the kind of the definition at the very top. You say um, the book is called The Self-Evolved Leader. How do you define that? What is a self-evolved leader in your words? Yeah, so I, I think there are a number of characteristics of a self-evolved leader. The first and probably foremost one is is an understanding that our own development is really up to us. It's in our own hands. You know, we spend in the training and development industry billions of dollars every year on webinars and training sessions and workshops and podcasts and books and keynotes. And there's a lot of really good stuff out there. But the reality is, unless and until we make a decision and a commitment to develop ourselves, it's just not going to happen. We don't become a better leader through osmosis. We don't just sit in a room and listen to somebody talk at us for um, 30 minutes and then walk out uh, being a better leader. And and so the core characteristic of a self-evolved leader is somebody that says, I want to push for growth for myself. I I want to to actually build some sort of a legacy around my leadership that's more than just getting through the day. Um, And when we start from that premise, then there are a bunch of of additional characteristics that kind of um, complement that. Um, So things like... um, having deep empathy uh, for people that they work with rather than just assuming that everybody's a cog in this wheel, but really seeing um, the people in your team and that you manage and lead every day and putting yourself in, in their footsteps. Um, and then and then thirdly, just having this real deep sense of vulnerability. You know, I think that a lot of the old leadership models of the past talk about a leader being sure about the direction that we're going in. And the reality is our world is too complex for anybody to be 100% sure of the 
that we're going in. So rather than saying, I know for a fact this is the right place to go, I think self-evolved leaders say, here's a direction that I think would be uh, good for us to head head in. What do you think? It would be an awesome journey. Do you want to come with me? So there's more of that sense of vulnerability. So so in general, those are the, the three kind of overarching characteristics of the self-evolved leader, a push for growth, uh, real deep empathy for the people they work with, and then uh, practicing vulnerability. I appreciate how you kind of you challenge the reader throughout to just kind of do better, and yeah. and, and and one of the areas that that I, that I think would be valuable for kind of us to, to see in all of your research, um, you know, in within the book you talk about breaking the cycle of mediocrity. What are some examples of, of poor leadership that you see that are just that are just rampant? Yeah, so I talk about the cycle of of mediocrity. Um, you know, we all know what a what a terrible leader is, right? We we can all describe a bad leader, and we can all actually do a pretty good job of describing a, a good leader. The problem is, there's a big bit in the middle, which is sort of like meh. It's it's mediocre leadership. It's neither good nor bad, and actually that's where I think the biggest problem is, and where it all st- stems from, or or certainly where I think it it stems from is we've got to this point where we've allowed um, ourselves to be interrupted by anybody at any time, and for them to define the priority priority on us. And so as a result, everything is urgent. Everything needs to get done now. Everything needs to get done today. And so um, when we start from that perspectives, um, our leaders are spending too much time being the hero and saving the day for their team because they think in their head, oh, it'll just be faster if I just do this. You know, okay, there's a crisis. I'm going to go put out that fire. Um, what happens then, though, is uh, as you're um, uh, leading through these acts of heroism, as you're telling your team, don't worry, I'll deal with it, or if you're giving them the answers of what to go do, over time, you end up becoming a bottleneck um, because you start to take on more and more and so you end up being stressed out um you end up being frustrated and actually what happens to your team is they develop a a sense of learned helplessness which is if my boss is just going to save the day for me uh, all the time i'm just going to stop trying to come up with any sort of solutions i'll just go and say hey boss here's a problem and he'll take he or she'll take it off off my plate and so they develop um this learned helplessness which means then that you have to um be even more of the hero the next day because they're doing less and less and so this just gets into this cycle of mediocrity and it doesn't have to happen in big overarching ways it can be as simple as you know saying i've got this or i'll deal with that or i'll have a conversation with them or just leave that here or why don't you do x um, and go and, and giving them the answers. It can just happen in these small ways, and over time, then you get sort of caught in this cycle. Yeah, it it, it you know a big part of this is is setting up, uh, um, you know, giving people a sense of autonomy, giving people the the ability to kind of come back and sell their own solutions. Because otherwise, as you said, if if every single time there's a problem, um, you're looking to your leader to solve those problems. That is not going to link up with what business is today. So let's let's kind of dig into the, some of the, the key elements of of self-evolved leadership. So how do you create that? How do you begin? to create that. If we wanted to start today uh, to, to, to build a foundation of, of if I'm a leader and I've got a team of X number of people, how do I start building kind of that, 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 that flow in my work day to day where people will be able to start like really having what they need to do to be successful? 
Sure. And it, um, like any good behavioral shift, because that's ultimately what we're talking about, right? We, we all get trapped in in sometimes positive, sometimes negative leadership behaviors. And when you're in that cycle of me- mediocrity, it really is just a, a, a behavior. It's it's habitual responses. And like any good behavioral shift, you've got to start from the um, uh, from a mindset perspective. You know, we've got to we've got to change how we view what it is that we're trying to do. And so I, I think that the very foundation of it, uh, adopting a new mantra that moves away from mediocrity, moves away from that heroic leadership towards uh, excellence is, is where we've got to start. So my suggestion for a new leadership mantra is this, that my focus is to help those on my team achieve our shared goals and in doing so to help them become the best version of themselves. And the reason why I think that's important is there's no room for heroic leadership in that um, because um, in helping people achieve our shared goals, it doesn't matter if I succeed but my team fails or if I succeed but a couple of people on my team um, succeed but then a couple of people fail. If anybody fails on our team, we we lose. Like we, we have to collectively own our shared goals. And then I think the second part of it is hugely important as well, which is that in doing so, it helps them become the best version of themselves because it's not enough for you to just – go out and save the day for your team to achieve their goals. They've got to be growing. They've got to be developing. They've got to be learning um, and 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 transforming into a better version of themselves to, to be successful. So it's got to start with that mindset shift. And, and when you start there, it's going to take you 60% of the way there because everything that comes after it um, is tied towards kind of an, an end goal of where you're trying to get to. I love provocative statements. I love uh, in, within books when people kind of push the norms. And, and one of the things that you kind of throw out there is that, that most vision statements are rubbish and you've got some ideas <laughs> on how to kind of buck that trend. So what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I think uh, far too many consultancy companies have been paid far too much money to come up with vision statements that are wordy, that are filled with, you know, terms of the day that don't really mean anything to anybody. And you sort of look at it and go, I understand what those individual words mean, but what on earth do you do? What's your purpose? What's your what's your reason for being? And um, I think that that what you've got to do is strip it back to to basics. And and, um, I think sometimes uh, leaders feel like they have to own the vision of where they're going. Uh, I think that we have an over-reliance on overly visionary leaders. And and actually what I advocate for is more of a shared vision. And so whether you're the CEO of a um, billion-dollar company or you're the supervisor of a three-man team, I think that you can go through a process where you're inviting your team to be co-conspirators in creating a a compelling vision that really works for the whole team. And so what I recommend is just, you know, taking a, a couple of hours to a day off-site, go somewhere beautiful, it's inspiring, that's creative. Um, don't do it in the basement of a residence inn where there's no windows. Um, <laughs> and, and spend time just evaluating things like, um, if we could do anything in three to five years, what would that look like? What impact would we have? Um, what legacy do you want to have as an individual in the in the work that you're doing here? Why do you come uh, into this workplace every day to do what you do? What truly excites you? And and start to explore what what 
the vision looks like for your team, where they want to go to, um, and and have them run through a couple of opportunities or exercises to craft something that's that's meaningful. And a big thing that you've got to do whenever you're writing a vision statement is you've got to push for clarity. So just asking, what does that mean when somebody puts a, a you know a, an industry term or maybe an inside company term? What does that mean, and how does that impact us? Um, I think can be can be really helpful. So but invite your team to be co-conspirators and creating a vision that really means something to them and resonates with them. One of the things that, that Margie Blanchard, uh, uh, who is one of our co-founders here at the Ken Blanchard Company, has been saying for a number of years that I really appreciate is, and, and you, you agree with this as well, I'd like to hear your take on it, is, is we have to stop thinking about leadership as a soft skill. Um, so peop, that it, it, it does get discounted from time to time, doesn't it? People, oh, that's, that's a nice thing to have. Um, what's your take on and why it is not a, a soft skill? Yeah, well, I think that in calling it a soft skill, we're you know we're being a little lazy, to be quite frank. Um, because when you say it's a soft skill, you say, well, we can't really measure it, can't really train against it, can't really assess against it, can't really improve upon it, and and so we call it a soft skill. And then you go, well, then how on earth are you supposed to develop it? You know, what 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 am I supposed to do? And like I said earlier, you, you don't become a better leader through osmosis. Um, that's like saying, you know, I'm going to be a better golfer by watching. Rory McIlroy play. It just doesn't happen. You've got to get out there and, and, and do it. And at the end of the day, leadership can be broken down into a set of um, actions and activities that you do every day. And the cumulative effect of that is either a positive one or a negative one. So if you do more positive leadership type acts on a daily basis, the negative ones, you're going to turn into a good leader. If you do more negative ones than positive ones, you're going to be a bad leader. So let's let's break it down like anything else. If you need to get better better at having difficult conversations. What does that look like? What does success look like for you? How do you map out um, a, a conversation that you need to have? How do you plan in actual moments where you get to practice this to develop it? When do you build in time to review how it went for you and, and how you're going to um, do it again? And so for me, leadership is just as hard a skill as anything that's out there. We just don't want to put in the time to really hone it or, or, or not all of us want to put the time in to really hone it. And so I, I really push my readers in the book and the clients that I work with. Your job isn't just to make sure that your team is functionally successful. You've got to be um, developing your leadership and you've got to be de developing them as, as well. So find that time to practice. We're talking with Dave McEwen, the, the author of The Self-Evolved Leader. And so Dave, let's, uh, let's kind of dig into some of the disciplines of, a, of being a, of mastering uh, becoming a self-evolved leader. And, and one of the things that you, you talk about, it's something I've hold, hold very dear when I've gone on my kind of self-leadership, kind of my, my journey to, to where I want to be one of these days. Um, I took a really hard stance at all the inputs in my life and what mm. was the, the beeps, the buzzes, all the notifications. And there was a time a few years ago that I actually shut all those things off because I was drowning every time a new, new buzzer or bing came off on my phone, which is such mm. an incredible um, device of productivity, but it also can be so distracting. So one of the things you talk is, is about reclaiming your attention. And you say, if you can't master your attention, you can't lead others. what do you mean by that? Um, well, I, you know, quite, 
bluntly, if we're distracted by a million and one pings that are going on, we're not able to be truly present to give the person that's in front of us the time and attention that they're duly needed. Um, our brains are notoriously bad at multitasking. They're really bad at holding all of the things that we need to get done. Um, and when you do that, um, you just have no room to think about the, the medium and, and long term. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I think we've told ourselves that um, because of this fast paced world that we live in, that we have to find a way to multitask our way through it and we've got to you know it's progress and action and all of that and and i just think that 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 leaders who really get this who are truly successful just do simple things like you know what, I'm going to leave my phone in my bag outside of the meeting room. Or when somebody comes in for a meeting, I'm going to shut down my computer. Or can we just, you know, stop pretending that when somebody has a, a computer or an, or a tablet out in the meeting that they're taking notes, they're not taking notes. They're, they're probably IMing somebody or looking at whatever the most recent sports um, um, scores are. Exactly. And so we've got to find a way to put that to, to the side to say, whatever is in front of me is the most important thing that I have to deal with right now it's not whatever the ping is that's that's coming on my on my phone or my my computer how does self-evolve leadership how does that uh go into play because we're, we're talking a lot about leadership and, and in a lot of cases people think about leadership as a kind of a one-to-one you know you're leading with others mm. leading, leading others how do you how does it affect a team how do you take these concepts to and make a team thrive well, I think a, a, a big part of, of successful leadership in teams come whenever you share vocabulary. So no matter what model that you take or you follow or you like, um, it, the more that you can say, okay, here are a set of principles. Let's find a way to to work through these together. And so, you, you know, I talk about the self-evolved leader as a process to go through. You make the mindset. First, you set the vision for the team um, and where you're going. You build in a series of uh, implementation review points to ensure that you're moving towards achieving uh, your vision. And then you build on the disciplines that you need to get there. So with a group or a team coming and saying, all right, um, here's the new mantra that we're going to adopt and that we're going to accept. Um, let's start working towards that. How do we collectively build in a series of implementation review points to ensure that collectively we're going, we're going where we need to go to. And then let's take a look at some of the disciplines and say, um, which of these are we particularly strong at as a team? Which of them are we a little bit um, uh, weaker at? And let's just collectively find a way to work through them so that we can, um, you know, hold each other accountable to our own growth and development um, when you can do that, when you share vocabulary in, in leadership and you're developing on any aspect, what it does is it depersonalizes the work that you're doing and it makes people feel less defensive about the challenges that they might be having because at the end of the day, you're working through a collective um, set of activities together. We've talked about a couple of the uh, the disciplines about uh, of that, that are helping you towards mastery of being a self-evolved leader. What is what's uh, another one of your more key uh, disciplines that that you need to focus on, and you think that is really lacking right now? Um, I think a, a big one, and there's a bit of a flow in in the discipline. So you've got to master your attention or reclaim your attention first of all, because that's 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 like turning the that's like stopping the blood on a on a wound that's um, that's that's gushing. We've got to do that first of all, um, and and then secondly, once we do that, we're much better placed to facilitate the flow of work out to our team. Um, you know, you, you you ask any leader at the minute what's on your to do list and they'll share a whole big um, list of things on that. 
And for probably 60 to 70 percent of the leaders out there, there are things on that to do list that they should be having their team work on. Um, but they aren't um, because they say things like, well, it will just take me too long to explain this to somebody or I'll do it better or faster myself or I'll just have to fix it anyway. And ultimately what they're saying is um, I don't want to give this out to somebody because my ego is tied up into it. And as a leader, you should be getting to the point where literally the only thing that's left on your to do list are the things that really you're the only person that can do that. You've got to start working yourself out of a position. And that doesn't mean that you go to the other extreme where you just then throw everything over the transom and just delegate everything out. You've got to um, view it as sort of like... um, the way fax machines or modems used to communicate with each other, it's sort of like, here's a task or a set of things that I'd love for you to do. Can it, can it fit within your current bandwidth? Uh, yes or no. And then to have your person that you're delegating to say, uh, yeah, I could do it. Or if you want me to do that, here are two or three things that would need to slide down that priority list. Um, we're not very good at that that interfacing point of passing work on from a leader to a team. So for me, that's the second one. If you can um, uh, master your attention and then get much better at facilitating that workload and the communication that comes into and around your team and back out to the rest of the organization. What both of those do for you is it allows you to, to gives you the headspace to stay focused on the um, medium and long-term direction of your team and the development of your people, which really as a leader is where you should be adding value. So what I'm hearing, and, and this is true of most everything, especially the things that aren't easy, this is an evolution. You never really quite get there, do you? No, I don't think there's a there's an end place, and 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 I think that if you if you ever feel that you've got there, then you've shut off one of the key characteristics of of self evolved leaders, which is we can always push for growth. Um, you know, I think that there's nothing more frustrating to me than seeing somebody who's maybe been in a leadership position for fifteen or twenty years, but they've still got so much more room to grow and and impact that they can have, but they just rely far too heavily on the successes of the of the past, and 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 they've just said I have evolved to the point at which. I, I want to evolve and and my goal is to keep pushing those people and, and say well you know imagine the legacy that you could have if you if you if you continued to grow and evolve and the the, the second thing in there is there is value in becoming a in becoming an excellent leader just for the sake of being an excellent leader not because it gets you better results or more productivity or more money to the bottom line there's just there's just value in developing that as a as a character trait that I think was sort of lost in a perfect world, um, as, as the self-evolved leaders uh, shift to you know, working towards self-evolved organizations, how do you see that impacting the bottom line? How do you see that impacting the, work, the workplace? How do you see that impacting um, just the day-to-day lives of, of people if they really uh, embrace these ideas? Well, I think it's the, the, you can tell the difference between an organization that's founded on principles of a heroic leadership and an organization that's made the transition to be fun, to, to, to develop self-evolved leadership principles. In a heroic organization, we are just struggling to get through the day. We are just, we come in and we just a good Northern Irish phrase, we just knock our pan in, we hope that we put out enough fires and we get to the end of the day and everything just feels like it's a constant scramble. Um, and what that means is everything becomes a lot more transactional. It's a lot harder to innovate. It's a lot harder to build positive, strong, healthy um, culture. It's a lot harder to develop our people in that um, environment because we're just we're just throwing stuff at a wall and running after it and hoping something sticks. Whereas in an organization that's made a trans- transition towards uh, being a lot more more self-evolved, we are thinking 
medium and long-term direction. Um, it's not a daily battle that we need to fight. It's more of a quarterly or an annual or or three to five-year battle where we've we've given ourselves the headspace to, to think about that direction. It also means that employees are typically more uh, given more room to be a little bit more innovative, a little bit more creative. We've got a sense of a, a deeper purpose and reason for why we're doing what we're doing. So we're, we're kind of um, feeding into that need for transcendentalism for employees and as a result employee um engagement and happiness increases and and ultimately there's there's got to be a positive impact on on the bottom line what's the is, is we're starting to wrap up wrap up our time here uh, what is the kind of the one thing the one takeaway takeaway that you'd like our listeners to, to 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 really walk away from this conversation that you and i've had today um i think it's a theme that's come been coming to me really strongly over the last number of years, which is um, to to control the things that you can control in your own self, in your own development, and to not worry about the things that you can't. When we play too much in the sandbox of worrying about the things that we can't control, we we become victims, and and we and quite frankly, then we we turn into self um, fulfilling prophecies, and so. Whether you're the CEO of a large organization or you're uh, working as a frontline manager, there are some things that you can control and there are some things that you can't. But you get ev- up, you get, get the privilege of waking up every day and choosing to focus on those things that you can control and push for your own growth and push for your own development and and let everything else around you take care of itself. Uh, don't move, don't fall into that victim mentality of spending too long in in those areas that you can't control. I love that. Perfect. David McEwen, thank you so much. If people wanted to dig a little bit deeper into your world, uh, learn a little bit more about you, where would you send them? Uh, if you want to know more about the book, just go to selfevolvedleader.com. If you want to learn more about me, uh, go to davemcewen.com. Uh, and I'm all on all of the social media platforms. Quick search and, and you'll find me. And I'd love to connect with you on any of those places. It's a fabulous book. It's very actionable, very fun read. Dave McEwen, thank you so much for being a part of the Blanchard Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. I really enjoyed listening to Dave McGowan talk about his book, The Self-Evolved Leader. I think the reason I enjoyed it so much is to me, as he described a self-evolved leader, that is really a leader who's a servant leader. Why? Because, as he said, their emphasis on is on focusing on achieving shared goals. It's not like the hero leader that he talked about, which we need to get rid of, which is a self-serving leader who thinks all the brains are in their office and everybody's sucking up the hierarchy. He said, no, the self-evolved leader, like a servant leader, focuses on achieving shared goals. And secondly, 
They focus on helping people to be the best version of themselves. And I just think that's terrific, you know. And uh, he says that if you're going to really be a self-evolved leader, you need to be in charge of your own learning. You know, you want to be a constant learner in charge of your own development and have a deep empathy for people. And then what's so key to being a servant leader, and as he described a self-evolved leader, is that you get your ego out of the way and you have a vulnerability about you. You're willing to admit you don't know all the answers. And when that's true, you really involve the people around you. And this is a tremendous way of overcoming what he calls the, the cycle of mediocrity, you know, where, <laughs> you know, it's all about uh, being a hero leader. So, Dave, I really appreciate what you're doing. I think you're making a difference out there. And I think if we could get more self-evolved leaders who are in charge of, of learning themselves, they have empathy for their people and they're vulnerable, wow, would we not only get great results, but we get great human satisfaction. So thanks, Dave. Keep up the good work. And Chad, you're not all that bad either. <laughs>